Welcome back to the High School Huddle. Join the huddle yourself and let us know your thoughts by calling our toll-free number at 1-800-897-3678 or simply tweet us by using the hashtag OKHSHuddle. Now let's get back in the huddle and talk high school sports. Segment two of the High School Huddle here on Wednesday night, taking up to the top of the hour, getting set for our week six of the high school football season, halfway done, Phil. That's crazy. Halfway done with the regular season. That's that's nuts. Absolutely. That was quick. It does go by quick. It seemed like we were just getting ready for week zero yeah, and all that good stuff. But yeah. uh, hey, speaking of high school football, probably none better out there covering high school football is uh, Cameron Jordan of the Oklahoma, and we have him hot on the line. Cameron, thank you for joining us here on the high school huddle. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me on. It, it is kind of hard to believe. I was thinking the same thing earlier this week about the midway point of the season. It's it's hard to believe we're more beyond that and kind of getting into the stretch run here. Before we get into the uh, X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's of football, you ran in the uh, Memorial Marathon. You ran the half marathon. Tell us how that experience was. It was it was a blast. Um, just from the starting line, being around the Memorial, walking through it beforehand, I uh, and seeing the signs of the names of the 168, and um, it was just incredible. It was a very one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life. Growing up here in Oklahoma, I've been to the memorial before. I know the importance behind it, um, the importance of remembering and everything. But it was a uh, it was truly an incredible experience and something that I've already signed up to do again next year. And and just going to try to get a better time next year and enjoy it even more and just continue trying to, to give back to the memorial and the museum and everything. Cam, that's first class, uh, what you just said. I appreciate that very much. I know everybody listening and viewing does as well. But talk a little bit about just the, the process to get ready for that. I, you know, I'm in training. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, Wait for it. I walked to my car twice today. <laughs> walked to the refrigerator 14 times. And I walked to Chris's house from my car. So I'm in training also. Now, Cameron... <laughs> I'm going to brag on you real quick, Cameron. Yeah. Not only is he a pretty good little runner, Yeah. his golf game is uh, – Well, Cam's a stick. Yeah, he's a top shelf. Cam, I wish I – I play in an annual golf tournament. Um, next year, you'll have to come participate in the uh, a little golf tournament, Oak Tree National, with me. You're my – I'm, I'm inviting you officially right now. Um, it's already taken care of. You just got to show up and bring your A game. Hey, if it makes you feel better, I got to play Oak Tree National for the first time this summer, and I shot even par on the back nine. So I uh, have a little bit of, of good luck on that course. So okay, well, no, you I definitely are on the team next year. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I can do that again, but I'll, I'll do my best. How much fun is that course, though? Isn't that just – I know the first time I played it, I I found half, half the time I was out there, I was just staring, saying two things. Number one, this course is way too good for me to be on, and then number two, just how beautiful it is. It's it's breathtaking every yeah. single hole. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got to watch the senior tournament when it was there in 2014, yep. the U.S. Senior Open, and I remember a lot of the holes from back then. When you're actually standing on a tee box getting ready to play them, um, it's it's so visually intimidating, but it's beautiful too. I'm a big fan of golf tech's architecture and, and or golf course architecture and everything that goes into it. But 
Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful layout, a beautiful course, but it's, it's definitely visually intimidating. Yeah, it's really fun. Speaking with Cameron Jordan of the Oklahoman, and uh, Cameron, you got a front row seat last week's game between Guthrie and Carl Everett, a 22-19 four-quarter great game. At times you saw great defense. At times you saw great offense. At times you saw spectacular plays. And there were, really never was a dull moment in that four-quarter ball game. Man, I know we, I know us three talked about it when the game was over, but that was just a tremendous high school football game. Yeah. Um, especially that fourth quarter was so fun. Both teams made huge momentum plays. I mean, from from Carl Albert scoring on the hook and lateral play, um, Guthrie getting the three and out right after throwing an interception, um, Guthrie driving down the field, the the crazy third down pass that looks like a duck in the air that somehow uh, somehow was caught right there on the sidelines, scoring, and then uh, kudos to Carl Albert. I know. I know, Phil, you said, I think at some point halfway through the third quarter, you made a comment. You said, whoever gets the ball last is going to win this game. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. Carl, Carl Albert and Guthrie played a tremendous game. It's one of those ones when I'm definitely thankful that I don't have a dog in the fight because I just want to be able to enjoy football games like that. And that was such a fun one. That's that's one of the that's the best game that I've seen this year and, and one of the best ones that I've got to be a part of in, in my time doing this. You know, Cam, I made the comment. I think you were still there. You know, also, I just hated the fact that somebody had to lose this game because, you, you know, you had everything Chris pointed out a few moments ago, great play on both sides. You had the great plays offensively, the great plays defensively. You had the trick plays executed to perfection by Carl Albert, which was – that hook and ladder is as good of a hook and ladder I've ever seen. And But also you had the coaching staffs making adjustments on both sides, doing it – both crowds were – were, were going crazy for the respective teams, and it was all done classy. That's the thing I've all, I've really learned to – Carl Albert's one of my favorite games for a lot of reasons, but it's because – the main reason is, you know, there's those teams that you lose to and it, and it stings for a long time for whatever reason. And then there's those teams you lose to and it stings, but it's over quicker because they're classy opponents, right? And, and I think that's what this rivalry between – Carl Albert and Guthrie has always been, at least in the last 20 years, it's been just a first-class ball game every time. Regardless of the score, it's always done with class. Oh, 100%. I mean, this is one of the, the not only the city's, but the state's best rivalry games. Um, I mean, both these teams have tremendous amounts of respect for each other. I mean, just this decade, I mean, look at how many combined titles they have. I mean, those two teams themselves have dominated uh, Class 5A. Um, especially if you just look even in the last decade. I mean, they have tremendous respect for each other. It's a game that I would argue that both teams maybe get up more for than, than even Carl Albert does for either of its mid-Dell rivalry. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those that is always usually pro- provides a good ball game. I know Carl Albert's been on the yeah. on the winning end here soon. But like you said, I think there's a lot of positives Guthrie can take out of this game. I mean, it, it, they prove that they can play with a team that's won five straight championships. Um, we know how good this Guthrie team is, obviously – big game homecoming this week against Woodward, but um, there's still a possibility to be able to host a first-round playoff game, and there's still even a possibility because of how difficult this district is that Guthrie could win it. So these next five games are still really vitally important, but Friday's game, even though it was a loss, is going to really be able to help them down the road. I was talking to a a parent today and asked me what I thought as a child that plays on the team, and I said, I think Guthrie got better. I said, I don't, you know, I, I don't believe that you ever learn a whole lot from losing, but in this case, I think you. I think our kids really did because, they, for all the reasons you said, but also, you know, the, losing sometimes can make you a little, little more humble. Not that our kids weren't were, 
getting big-headed or anything, but it can keep things in perspective. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. But, yeah, and I, you know, Guthrie's, Guthrie's my number six team. I had them four and 5A. They're six this week for me. Um, I think there's about eight clubs in 5A that are, that are right there together, and, and it'll be fun to see how it all washes out. Yeah, Guthrie, uh, or excuse me, Carl, we'll have to rebound quickly as they got McGinnis this week, and we'll talk about that uh, matchup. But uh, uh, we'll probably talk about McGinnis with uh, Cameron here in a sec with uh, Mr. Ma- Michael Taffy. But, uh, Cameron, I want to jump into 6A2 football real quick. And a team I keep getting more intrigued and intrigued. I, I, I like watching 6A2 football. Yep. I'm getting more and more intrigued with the Dell City Eagles. Yeah, and there's good reason to be intrigued with them. You know, we we did our midseason kind of report card midseason um, awards this week and the team we, we did, who's been the state's most surprising team. And to me, it's a no brainer. It's Dell city. Um, I knew that Dell city was going to be good. They have star recruits on, on all throughout that roster. And it starts up on the defensive line with their sophomore, David stone, uh, sophomore, 15 years old, but he's six six two ninety up front. Jeez. I mean, just an absolute, I mean, it's, it's, it's laughable when you say that you don't think of a 15 year old kid who's that big, but, um, he's one of the states. He's been one of the state's best defensive linemen this year, and is a big reason why that defense has been so strong. But it's the offense that Dell City has really excelled at. You know, big upset win against Stillwater last week. Stillwater had won 21 straight district games and loses to Dell City 30 to seven. It really wasn't close. Um, it was just a complete dominating performance from Dell City. But the running game is why they do it. Their quarterback Virgil Yates has been outstanding. Doesn't throw the ball a lot, but when he does, he always makes great passes. Uh, Ethan Lawrence is their main running back. He always makes smart decisions with the ball. He's electric with his speed. If he can, if he can get to the edge, he's probably going to beat you. And then uh, Jason Smith is kind of like a fullback slash tight end hybrid, but he gets a bunch of carries every game too. And he's a big guy that not a lot of people, even in six A two, are able to tackle easy. So when you kind of have that three headed monster like Dell City, and it's been clicking. I mean, even in their one loss this year, they ran for three hundred and sixty yards against Booker T. Washington. So, I mean, they're just dominating on the ground. Really big game against Midwest City on Friday, and it's one that if Dell City wins, they're in the driver's seat to, to really possibly go 9-1 and one and win the district and head into the playoffs with a bunch of momentum. Yeah, I think Dell's, for all the reasons you just said, they're so athletic. I think they're fleshing out to be one of those clubs that could, that could push what I think we all would agree is the best team in 6A2 in Bixby. Um, you know, of course, Choctaw's got something to say about all that. We'll find out more about that this week when those two hook up. But, but boy, Dell City... Uh, is so athletic, like you said, and and just a lot of things going in the right direction for the Dell City right now. Cameron, I want to jump up uh, to real quick in Class 4A football. Can anybody score on Tuttle <laughs> this year when it matters? Well, well, I'll, eat, I'll, I'll go ahead and eat crow right here. I picked Cushing to win that game in Week 4. Cushing was my state title pick. Cushing has one of the best offenses in the state and scored seven points against Tuttle. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think that was a pretty big statement by Tuttle to, to go on the road and win that game. Early in district play, and I'm sure Cushing is going to be around at the end of the year. I still think that they're one of the top teams in 4A, but Tuttle's defense is legit. Um, Brad Ballard has done an excellent job at Tuttle for, for many years now. Obviously, has won a state championship there. Um, but this team is, is right there with that state championship team. Um, I, I don't know who's going to be able to score on them. Um, obviously, Harry comes in there at 4-1 and one this week with a lot of momentum, but I think that Tuttle is, has a pretty, uh, I don't want to say easy schedule the rest of the way, but Tuttle should be able to win every game the rest of the way and head into the playoffs unseated. Well, Cam, I had, I had Cushing winning that game as well, so I got that wrong also, but I think there's probably quite a few people that did, but Tuttle, like you said, their, their defense is just so dominant. I mean, they're just absolutely dominant. They'd be shutting out 
a lot of 5A schools, um, no doubt about it. Hey, Cameron, got a question on individual play now. Some of the individual players. Gentry Williams will be announcing October 18th. Do you have a, a, a feel either way? He's the standout for Booker T. Washington. Have you heard anything where he might be leaning toward? I have not heard anything. You know, this is actually something that I got this question a little bit earlier today from somebody as well. I've done a little bit of research into it, and I know a couple of recruiting experts actually think that he's leaning towards OU, which would be a huge win for the Sooners because yeah. um, he kind of is projecting out to be a defensive back. And, you know, when you think back to Dax Hill and Josh Proctor, those are a couple of the last defensive backs in the Tulsa area, those five-star guys who've gotten out of state. Um, so if OU is able to win this recruiting battle, obviously he's choosing between uh, Southern California, Missouri, and Florida along with OU. Um, if OU is able to come out on top, and I know that Gentry is really high on OU, um, that'll be a big win for them. I haven't talked with him since this summer, or I guess since uh, week zero, I got to talk with him after a football game down when they beat Southmore. But um, I know that uh, I know that he's pretty high on OU. Obviously, has high on all four of those schools if he's considering them. Um, but I know that a couple of the national recruiting guys and a couple of the local recruiting guys think that OU has a really good shot at landing him. It'll be interesting to watch again that announcement on October 18th. Speaking with Jordan Cameron or Cameron Jordan, excuse me, of the Oklahoma does a great job of covering high school sports, and if you you know, all the lead, I, I call you the lead sports, right? I don't know if that's the right term, but I, in my mind, you're the lead right. uh, prep writer for right. the Oklahoma. And Cameron does such a good job. And, and we've had people like Ryan Aber and, and Scott have moved up. And and uh, I can't tell you, Cameron fits right in that spot. The good things are happening for Cameron here a little bit. Continue on with some individual players here. Who's kind of stood out to you this year in the city area when it comes to individual play uh, so far midway through the season? You know, you, you mentioned his name earlier. He, he's in that 5A2 district. It's Michael Tapiat McGinnis. I know, I know you guys will be seeing him soon. Um, he's up to 18 touchdowns and almost 1,000 yards through five games. Um, just outstanding numbers he's been putting up. He's been such a big key to their offense. Um, and a big reason why, he spent a lot of time in the weight room this summer. He already was a pretty – I mean, for, for last year being a sophomore, he was already – I mean, he looked the part. But this year, I mean, he looks like a – a legit Division One caliber prospect. Um, but at running back, he's been outstanding for McGinnis. Um, also has about 200 receiving yards and actually has completed two passes for 111 yards too. So um, he's just been off to an, an outstanding start. Um, and he's a big key to McGinnis's system. I mean, we've, we've seen that in years past. I mean, from Dominic Richardson last year, Luke Tarman. McGinnis always seems to have that one guy that is such a big key to their offensive flow. And this year – it's Michael Taffy. I mean, they go as he goes. When he's playing well, McGinnis is playing well, and he's just been outstanding this year. I um, mean, it's going to be a really big key to them on Friday playing Carl Albert to have a chance to win that game. Yeah, as far and what I, what I hear, as good as he is on the field, he's just a great young man uh, off the field as well. So that's a, a great deal for uh, Bishop McGinnis. Okay, I guess I get, I guess I better ask six a one question. Uh, is there anybody on the west side that can go with the big four uh, on the east side? And if there's that one team. Who is it? Is it Evan Santa Fe again this year? You know, there, there's two teams. There's there's really two games that I'm interested to see that I think will really be able to tell whether a West Side team can can do it again. It's, it's Evan Santa Fe against Jinx, which comes up, I believe, next week, um, and then this week Mustang at Tulsa Union. You know, Mustang beat Tulsa Union a couple years ago. Um, over the last two years, there's only two West Side teams who have. And at least a 500 record or an above 500 record against the East Side, and that's Mustang and Evan Santa Fe. Uh, Mustang is is a is or has a, an, a winning record or a 500 record against an opponent. Mustang obviously is one on one against Union. 
Um, Santa Fe overall is actually four and three against the East since the start of the 2019 season. So um, I'm intrigued to see how Mustang performs. Their defense has, has not been up to not been up to standards. I'm sure is what their coaching staff wants, but offensively they've been scoring loads of points, and I think that that benefits them this week. Tulsa Union has a team that doesn't really play well offensively. Won a couple weeks ago, 10 to seven in overtime against an Owasso team. But defensively, Union is one of the best in the state. So if Mustang is able to find a way to, to keep Corral in the Union offense and can score a couple times, I can see them possibly winning that game again. And then Santa Fe against Jinx, rematch of the state title game coming up here. Uh, like I said, I believe that game is next week. Um, Santa Fe uh, lost those two games early, has won every one since. It's a very similar start to their last season. Um, we're going to find out how, how good they are defensively because they struggled in those first two games on defense. Offensively, is the exact same team they have. Uh, Talon and Tabry Shetron, the brothers who are committed to Oklahoma State, who do a lot of the work offensively. Actually have a freshman running back who rushed for 190 yards and five touchdowns last week. Um, so seeing how well they perform against the Jinx team, which looks looks the part, looks like a defending state champion even better. And that's with a freshman starting at quarterback. So um, we'll, we'll really find out these next two weeks whether, like I said, I think Mustang and I think Santa Fe are the two teams that have a possibility. But we'll know a lot more after these two kind of big games coming up. Cameron, you talked briefly about the freshman over at Jinx, the quarterback. I saw this week on Twitter he got his first D1 offer from San Jose State, I believe. But but they're getting out there early trying to get their shot in. But yeah. I don't think that will stand up to test the time. But, but you know, he, he's, he's, he, I mean, he doesn't look like a freshman. He's 6'1", like 185. And when you look at him, I mean, he looks like a grown man. He's a freshman. And he's putting up, you know, multi-touchdown games as a freshman – playing in the biggest ball that we've got in the state of Oklahoma. It's very impressive. I mean, kudos to Coach Keith Riggs. Um, his name is Shaker Resig. He actually didn't start in game one. Game two, backyard bowl, or excuse, or excuse me, his first start was in the backyard bowl. Didn't start the first couple games, but played a little bit. For, gets his first start in the backyard bowl against Union and just performs outstanding. Actually threw an interception on the first play of the game, but outside of that, he was pretty much perfect. For a freshman in that game, yeah. To do that on that stage is just outstanding. And like you said, has that one D1 offer, that list is only going to go up because if you're playing quarterback at Jinx as a freshman and you're already getting Division One offers with that size, I mean, it's only how how much he can grow. I mean, it's, it's seemingly the sky's the limit with how young he is. So I'm really intrigued to see kind of how his progression and everything grows these next few years. But um, really seems like a, a, great, a great choice from the coaching staff that I'm sure it's not easy at a place like Jinx to throw a freshman out there, but it's proven him, it's proven him well so far. He's got a great first name, and that'll take you a long way, too, with Shaker. Okay, Cameron, <laughs> final question. Got to talk Class A football real quick. Cash and Wildcats won more games than anybody ever last year. Can they repeat this year? Class A looks tough on the top four or five teams in that class. Yeah, you know, I think they can, and it, also, it goes to their offense. Defensively, not a stop this year. Lost a couple of really important pieces with Caden Harrell and Brexton Green. Uh, who obviously contributed on offense as well, but those two defensively were outstanding. Cashin isn't quite as stout as they were on defense this year, but offensively, they're arguably better than they were last year, which is hard to believe. Uh, ben Harmon, their senior quarterback, 28 touchdowns, 2,100 passing yards through his first six games. Uh, Landon Legas, their senior wide receiver, has 20 touchdown catches through six games. Um, Nick Nabavi at running back has been really, really good. They can score with anybody, and with the way the playoff bracket's lining up, I know Paul is still really good. Hooker's a team that's played really well. Gore is still in that conversation as well. But uh, Cashin and Ringling have kind of separated themselves as so far being those two teams. So possibly a rematch of the 2019 state championship on deck, which I'm sure would be one Cashin fans and 
and everybody on my team would love to have a shot again to go win that game since they fell a couple years ago. But, yeah, Cashin is definitely a title contender. He is Cameron Jordan of the, of the Oklahoma. And I invite you to get a newspaper or go to newsok.com and look at uh, the article that just came out today. Oklahoma High School Football Midseason uh, Awards. Who are the state MVPs? Not only uh, Cameron's in there, but uh, Nick and uh, Jonathan's. Uh, all their pre- preseason awards are on there as well. So go be, go be sure to go check that out. Cameron, appreciate it. Please rest after the marathon. Get ready because uh, high school football is back up tomorrow. Yep, I'll be at uh, more at Norman North tomorrow. We'll go find out how good the 5-0 and more Lions really are. appreciate you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you, Cameron. Thanks, Cam. Cameron Jordan of the Oklahoman, just a great young great man, guy, and yeah. uh, he'll have a great future. My, my standing does. a golfer from now on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, that, that doesn't take me off the uh, the. Uh, no, 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 you're still on there. I'm yeah, still on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. We're going to take a timeout here on the High School Huddle presented by Generations Church. When we come back, we'll talk with a uh, sport official, a, a friend of mine, Jeff Murray, and we're going to talk about the shortage of, um, of officials and what they go through on a Friday night, so kind of get a perspective of the officials on, and how, they, how their Friday nights look and all that good stuff. We're back after this. This is the High School Huddle.